0: Bobby Westside's Vinyl & Coffee Bobby Westside's Vinyl & Coffee Bobby
1: Westside's Vinyl & Coffee Hello and welcome to Bobby Westside's Vinyl & Coffee The podcast where I, Bobby Westside, your friendly neighborhood rock star Pontificates about music on vinyl while drinking a damn good cup of coffee Joining me today, we have our first returning guest You should remember him from last week's episode on Love It to Death by Alice Cooper my best friend, the bass player for my band, Bobby Westside and the Lo-Fis, Roland Torrance. How's it going today, Roland? Thank you for joining me again.
0: Outstanding. Happy to be here. And damn, this coffee's good.
1: How does it feel to finally have headphones? I,
0: I feel like I'm really a part of the club now.
1: I know. So for for those of you listening, we uh, we have made uh, two podcasts as a three piece band. One for the making of uh, a podcast for the making of the days there still ill that we called The Stand that you can find on YouTube links down below. And then, of course, the previous episode, Love to Death, and I only have a splitter for two headphones. So Roland had to just guess what uh, me and Salvador could uh, could hear in the headphones and and hope that he sounded good.
0: Had to wing it. Had I, to wing I, it. I hit the table a few times. Whoops. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I think the first time when you hit the table, the mic was, was on a mic stand on the table, so that was a big no. <laughs> I think now, and I think last week, you should be fine. But yeah, don't hit the table.
0: I'm learning as I go.
1: I know you're a bass player, so you don't really have to worry about like, uh, uh, headphones and uh, audio quality, but that's why I'm here, and we have our engineer in the background, Mr. Robert Terwilliger. There's no one here. It's, it's just me.
0: I, I would have gone with it. Could have done like a Wizard of Oz sort of deal.
1: I know. There is no one behind the cu- curtain. Okay. So today we have also a returning brew. We are drinking uh, from local favorite from Las Cruces, New Mexico, the city where we both live. Uh, Beck's Coffee. We're drinking the Sula, Sulawesi again, a dark roast, because let's be honest, it's all we can afford on our budget right now. Cannot afford multiple coffees.
0: Tastes good. Keeps me awake.
1: Any coffee company that would like to sponsor a podcast, uh, I will shill for anybody. Absolutely. I am waiting Absolutely. to sell out. Absolutely. So um, last week, of course, me and you uh, picked up this coffee together because uh, I knew that for the first episode, I needed a local favorite. Uh, had you been to Beck's Coffee before? Absolutely. Really? What, what, it, what do you usually get?
0: Just the regular house blend. I actually usually don't drink dark roast. Really? I just, I just usually kind of middle of the road sort of guy, but oh, this okay. is good.
1: I I'm usually a dark roast kind of person. I love it. Uh, I love, I love coffee. That's basically just anxiety juice. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I know. Like, honestly, no joke. Last week after you guys left, I was so anxious and jittery for the rest of the day. I could not, uh, I could not calm down for whatsoever. Cause I had three cups of coffee that day today. Uh, and, uh, yesterday I recorded someone else, uh, who will be going up later. Uh, Uh, I, I, I made a plan. Okay. Tea in the morning, uh, before an hour before someone gets here, some, some, another, another cup of tea meant to like, uh, help your throat. Uh, so I can sound good and, and, and crisp on this podcast. Then when we start to listen to the album, then drink coffee.
0: I had a long drive, so I already had a few cups this morning.
1: Yeah. But you can handle it though. I I can't, I get, I get too anxious and nervous. I keep it all inside. I get uh, too anxiety-driven, which is, I guess it's great for what album we're talking about. But before we get to the album, what do you think of the Dark Roast? I don't think I asked you guys that last week.
0: It's It's got a little bitterness to it, but it, I actually haven't added anything to it. It's just really good. Yeah. I, I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have to keep in mind to ask future guests of the podcast. I'm like, oh, do you take your coffee black? Because, you know, you and Salvador are like me mostly drink coffee black uh
0: oh vanilla ice cream i put a lot of vanilla ice cream in my coffee
1: oh uh, i guess i should get some vanilla ice cream too that'd be good it's just a uh it's a it's a good easy coffee creamer to have yeah, that everyone good. enjoys
0: your milk and you know, your cream and your sugar it's delicious
1: especially if you you know get like 150 degree coffee from like starbucks <laughs> and you don't want to burn yourself
0: well, also too, if you if you happen to be drinking really terrible tasting coffee, oh, yeah, it'll make, make it better.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my future guest, me and him, were talking. He had a really good joke about that. About, but I'm gonna I'm gonna save that. That's a little tease for episode four of the podcast. Uh, so you know, Exciting. all your Bobby Westside uh, vinyl and coffee heads, uh, start writing your write down writing down your canon notes now. So today, as we teased last week, we are talking about Meteora, the second studio album by American rock band, Linkin Park. It was released on March 25th, 2003 through Warner Brothers Records, following reanimation, a collaboration album, which featured remixes of songs, including, uh, on their 2003 studio debut, Hybrid Theory. The album was produced by the band alongside Dan Gilmore. The title Meteora is taken from Greek Orthodox monasteries, originally bearing the name. Uh, Meteora has a similar sound to Hybrid Theory as described by critics. And uh, that is definitely something that you kind of notice on this album. It definitely, it definitely has a similar sound to Hybrid Theory but i wouldn't I wouldn't say that's a criti- criticism what about you
0: mm, no it's it's i would say maybe a little darker yeah but it's it, it, they, they they knew it worked i mean hybrid theory sold 12 million copies they knew it worked
1: i know and um Meteora so- has sold 16 million copies worldwide wow. so it so based on that it outsold hybrid theory and i would say they saw what they did in Hybrid Theory, their first album, their debut album, and then they perfected that sound. Like, to me, this album, front to back, with one, one song that I don't really like, which I'll get into later, right. uh, it's perfect. It's, it's almost a perfect album.
0: You can listen to it the whole way through. They, they did not have a sophomore slump.
1: Right. So this album took a year to record. And it was the first Linkin Park Studio album to feature bassist Dave Farrell after he rejoined the band in 2000 after temporarily touring with other bands.
0: Yeah, he was, he was with them in the original lineup, left, right, was working with other people, and then came back around the time Hybrid Theory came out. Oh, uh, okay. I, I believe he toured with them after Hybrid Theory came out.
1: okay. I'll have to go back and look through early music videos, see if I can tell the difference between the bands, because... Uh, I I I didn't really listen to Hybrid Theory growing up, uh, all that much. I think some that album came out in like '99 or 2000 something. Yeah, like 2000. Yeah. Some yeah 2000 sometime, something around there, and uh, I was not very much into screaming music at the time. I was very much into Blink 182, just fun pop songs with guitar.
0: Yeah, you would not characterize this album as fun. No. This this album is not fun and that's not meant to be a criticism. I mean it's 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 good art but it's dark.
1: Yeah. I mean Linkin Park was one of those bands in, you know, the new metal new metal genre. But to me all other bands in in new metal suck. I don't really like any other band but in retrospect, I I really if I was just a little bit older, I would have loved Linkin Park growing up.
0: Yeah, new metal got really big. The late 90s, mm-hmm. and it had a few years. So, you know, Limp Biscuit came out, Corn came out. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, they almost, they just got silly. Yeah. The bands got, like, the music got silly. You, you remember watching um, uh, TRL and when the Nookie music video came out?
1: I have, I I've honestly I know the song Nookie. I know it's I know it's Limp Bizkit. I could not tell you what the music video is. Oh, I, I hated that band so much. You know, and it's like the that I I never once listened to it.
0: Like Limp Bizkit's like first album had actually some pretty good lyrics on it. it, it you know, three dollar bill actually had some decent rhymes on there. And then you had the early corn stuff, which was really dark. But by the time Hybrid Theory and that, I mean. It, death or uh, a new metal was in its death throes Mm -hmm. at that time it was in its death throes the music had gotten honestly in my opinion silly but when hybrid theory came out and then when meteora anything new metal was trying to be any identity new metal had it, it meteora is the best thing in my opinion that new metal could have ever given
1: yeah it's it's definitely like the pinnacle of all those bands
0: and i mean after that what what after two thousand three? What took over the whole pop punk emo?
1: Yep, and I mean, then that, and then eventually that, be, like everything starts out genuine, but then becomes silly.
0: Yeah, new metal was, I mean, dead when Meteora came
1: out. Yeah, it's kind of like if you go back to the eighties and you think about all the hair metal bands of that time. Eventually, you're you're able to like manufacture it, and then it starts becoming silly, and oh, then yeah. something else takes over. Just like with grunge, you had the first wave of grunge bands; they were all great, but then you also had uh, Bush. After that, <laughs> who sucked?
0: And then and then alt rock took over. But yeah, the all the hair bands. I mean, they started out as L.A. bar bands, mm-hmm. right? And they were they were gritty. They were loud. They were fun.
2: They wore makeup.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about fun. I mean, all the you know all the all the documentaries and things about. I those. mean, when
1: I talk about fun, I'm thinking about tonight when we are young. <laughs> we're gonna set the world on fire.
0: Exactly. But no, that. It, it, it got silly it, it really did but they started out as these loud raucous you know bar yeah. bands
1: and when we were talking about you know we were talking about this uh before when we were listening to the album uh every soundtrack like every like horror movie or action yeah. movie soundtrack was new metal it all was this sound the the dark crunchy guitars mm-hmm somewhat you know some rap vocals and then screaming choruses the mumbling
0: screaming kind of like corn many mm-hmm. many many years before mumble rap was a thing you had corn yeah and it's it's kind of uh the singer would kind of mumble a little bit and, and his voice would crackle you know
1: beatbox and scat yeah <laughs> if you could
0: call it that
1: <laughs> i don't i've i've heard people describe it as scatting and i'm just like i guess mm. is it ella fitzgerald i don't know <laughs>
0: best way i heard it described was re- recently that that sound that he makes is like how you're trying to describe to the mechanic the sounds that your car's making that is a good when it's when it's screwing up
1: that is a good uh, that is a good way to describe it so band members for this album you have Chester Bennington vocals R.I.P. Mike Shinoda vocal/rap Brad Delson guitar Dave Farrell, bass, Joe Hahn, turntables, and he directed all their music videos. And I get, the thing you can uh, say about this band that really made them stand out above any other new metal band is that every video they had was great, and it's all because of uh, Joe Hahn.
0: Oh, yeah. I thought that that was a time when music videos I mean, were short films. Yeah. Th- there was a whole art form to music videos 20 years ago.
1: I know, like... You know, you think when Music videos started like in the early 80s, no one really knew what to do. So it's basically like them in front of a, a, a green screen. Yeah. It looks like it was kind of made in a mall. Then it started getting a little bit more cinematic.
0: Yeah, ZZ Top. Yep. You know, they, they were really big in that.
1: And then, yeah, in the late, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, right before YouTube came out and kind of uh, destroyed all that. <laughs> uh, you had, yeah, these great sieve music videos really
0: artistic really well done i mean mm-hmm. i think you know probably michael jackson probably started that
1: yeah oh I mean, uh, yeah hands down
0: being, being cinematic um, i mean madonna you
3: know yeah
1: i mean thriller the vhs to thriller uh was its own like massive success for the just the music video of it
0: yeah and i, I mean I, I remember watching trl religiously
1: Oh yeah, yeah, around this time,
0: huh? Oh yeah, all the all the new music videos coming out, but they the music videos are really cool. You know, they were really interesting, and they were an art form, all its own.
1: Yeah, I remember, uh, in the early two thousands, the summer months. That's when you could really watch TRL because mm-hmm. I think it was on during the day,
0: and they had the music video premieres, and they would have a little countdown mm-hmm. in the in the corner of the screen. Exactly. Oh yeah, and especially the summer, you stay up late. You know, you have to go to school the next day.
1: Yeah. Or, or come to think of it, I think maybe they, they show TRL, like it, it aired at three, at least it did here in New Mexico, aired at three. I forget, you're, you're from Virginia, so maybe not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. it aired here at three, and then I think it would show again at like seven, mm-hmm. whatever the time, fr- time frame was. So I would, you know, come home and watch TRL, uh, watch my Britney Spears and uh, 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 Blink-182 music videos. Sometimes Linkin Park. Definitely Linkin Park, yeah.
0: And that was when the uh, rap music videos were very flashy. Yeah. Lots of jewelry. You know, that was very decadent. Very, very extravagant. I Mm. always thought that was entertaining. I always liked it.
1: Speaking of which, what other music was popular in 2003?
0: So, this is going to make a lot more sense after we're done explaining the album. Um, So, just to give you an idea of how different how incredibly different Meteora was. This, these are the, some of the top songs in 2003 when Meteora came out. In the Club, 50 Cent. Ignition, R. Kelly. Remedy, Jason Mraz. Um, you got Rock Your Body, Justin Timberlake. Air Force Ones by Nelly. Miss Independent, Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, I mean, this is this doesn't get <laughs> much different. Uh, uh, Holiday Inn by Chingy. I mean, this could this is entirely different.
1: Yeah, Lincoln Park in that year definitely stood out on its own in a class. Yeah, stood out in a class all its own compared to all their music that was that was popular that year, because you know we talked about earlier how it sold sixty million copies worldwide. It, it is certified seven times platinum here in the USA. It ranked number 36 on the billboards, top two hundreds in of the two thousands. And, uh, you know, as you know, some songs were remixed in, uh, with Jay Z in their, in their EP.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, why, why not? You know, it sure worked, uh, really well for run DMC and Aerosmith in the yeah. mid eighties.
1: Your later <laughs> collision course.
0: But just, you know, the fact that Work It by Missy Elliott came out the same year and was popular at the same time as Meteora.
1: I know. Is that the one with the backwards speak? Yes. Okay. I don't really know Missy Elliott all that well.
0: Yeah. The part that comes after, put your thing down, flip it, reverse it, is just that in reverse.
1: (laughs) Meow, 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 meow. Yeah. That's how I know.
0: Produced by Timberland, two wonderful people from Virginia. Okay. But it just, the fact that this was so popular and stood out being so different and dark.
1: Yeah, like uh, all other bands that were that were kind of uh, hard rock tried to be Lincoln Park after this album came out. Do you remember that in Crazy Town? Oh, yeah. They had that song Butterfly. Butterfly. I believe after Linkin Park came out, they tried to change their sound to where they could sound like Linkin Park, uh, but of course, that, that didn't work out.
0: They might have been. I mean, you remember the um, Panic at the Disco Yeah. came out to sound exactly like Fall Out Boy. Mm-hmm. Butterfly came out, I think, around 2001 or so. I don't know. And It
1: was on Orange County, and it was the joke on Orange County. That's all I remember.
0: Let's see. Now... Because Hybrid Theory came out in uh, 2000. 2000. Now I'm hitting the table. Now you're hitting the table. So, 2000 hit single Butterfly. Okay. So, yeah, that all kind of came out around the same time. Okay. So So, that came out in late 2000, in October 2000. And then, interesting. Hybrid Theory was released the same day that Butterfly was released. October 24th, 2000. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. But kind of hip-hop sort of feel. Yeah.
3: But kind of of more
1: of a... uh, Kind of more of a... What's that band? Sugar Ray. Kind of more of a Sugar Ray kind of vibe.
0: Yeah, who was very big at the time.
1: Exactly. And still, still big in the early 2000s, or at least they had one more big... Song in the early 2000s that I remember, with uh, "When It's Over," I was in a Sugar Ray cover band for one night. So how'd that
0: go?
1: Uh, actually, really well. As much as you may think that band sucks, man, do people still love those songs and love to dance to them? S- like, uh, I've never been in, uh, a band before, where, uh, I see so many women in the crowd dancing to our music. <laughs> you know, cause. That's just sometimes it's okay for music just to be fun. It doesn't yeah. always have to be, it doesn't always have to be cool.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, very introspective and dark, you know I mean? I, I was always into that, into the really good lyrics, but you know, it's funny you yeah. say that because my mom has had a crush on Mark Breath for, you know, 25 years. Oh wow. <laughs> and she, she's always the one that's like, oh yeah, I like the happy movies and I like the fun music.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to do that. It's, it's okay to just make fun pop songs.
0: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: So as I was saying earlier, you know, I didn't really listen to... Like, I knew, I knew who Linkin Park was uh, with Hybrid Theory. Uh, that was an album I, I've, I, I don't think I have still have ever bought, uh, Hybrid Theory. I've listened to it a couple times on Spotify, but I always go back to Meteora. And it wasn't until Meteora that I really started listening to at least the singles.
0: You didn't have to. By hybrid theory, because when that came out, it was everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's
1: What's your history with the band?
0: Uh, Lincoln Park is another one of those groups I didn't get it until later. Yeah. I I just didn't like. I heard it. It was in your face. It was aggressive. It was dark sounding. But now that I'm older, I understand. Because I was in middle school when. This was all coming out, mm-hmm. and then early high school.
1: Yeah, because you and I are almost exactly the same age. Yeah, by three days. Yep, I'm still the baby.
0: <laughs> um, but a lot of young teenagers, you know, that teenage angst phase, they identified with Lincoln Park. It was
1: huge. Yeah, a lot of angry white boys.
0: Huge in in, in you know <laughs> suburban Virginia where I was, you know, young teenagers. Linkin Park was was a huge force, but I once again just didn't get it until later.
1: Yeah. I, and I'm I'm with you on that. I definitely did not understand the band or or really this kind of music what it meant until later in life when I started uh to kind of like start to try to understand my emotions a little yeah. bit better.
0: And then the vocal abilities of Chester Bennington.
1: Oh yeah, just Chester's ability to melodically scream a chorus, incredible, can never be matched.
0: No, amazing. I mean, mid '90s alt rock melodies with incredible screaming, and if anyone's ever tried to scream on a track, to be able to do it like that, yeah, yeah, you're never gonna see that again. Yeah,
1: I don't know. On YouTube, I don't know if you've seen this, but you know, after, you know, after he had passed away, they had kind of like one more concert. I think it was a benefit concert. And they they would bring guests up on stage uh to sing Chester's parts and some of them did it did it pretty well, but then others just kind of missed the mark. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna call anyone out, but I'm like, you are a really good singer for your bands, but you just can't do what Chester did.
0: No. And he did it for years and tours and yeah. amazing.
1: And not even uh because you know, when they're recording requ- you know, in, when they're recording, of course, you can do all of the actual, like, he also had also just a really good singing voice, really good melodic singing voice. He did. In the studio, of course, it's easy to, of course, you first record all, like, the normal singing, and then you go back and record all the, the screwing parts so you don't, like, ruin your voice. But then watching, like, their concert uh, that they did after Meteora came out, right. uh, and how we could switch back forth just flawlessly. It really just goes to show how great a singer, how underrated of a singer Chester Bennington is.
0: Yeah. The only time I've ever seen anything like that but different style was surge from System of a Down. Oh, yeah.
1: But his, his singing is more operatic.
0: Operatic. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, he could go back and forth between doing those different parts like that live, incredibly yeah. gifted. But yeah, Chester was in a whole thing all of his own
1: yeah system of Down is another new metal band that i actually like i don't really listen to a lot of their albums but i respect them as musicians
0: yeah, especially the the vocals i, I mean uh, he's got a four and a half octave range something wow. outrageous that, I mean, incredibly gifted
1: that is crazy so as as i mentioned today we are talking about lincoln park and of course as always on bobby Westside's vinyl and coffee we are listening to a vinyl record so I got the, the cop, my copy of Meteora in 2021 uh, from Local Hotspot Iconic Records, not a sponsor. Uh, and I absolutely love the way this album sounds. Like, it's, it's so well produced. What did you think when we were listening to it?
0: It's for how dark it is and for how aggressive at times, it's very crisp. Yeah, it's a really high production value.
1: Yeah, because a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the times you can uh, get a record, and you can tell like this record was meant to go to Walmart or Target, (laughs) but this one, this album, the way it was produced was meant for uh, to be listened to with the best sound quality, which I don't have the best sound quality, uh, but it, it it is just like the vinyl is so glossy and shiny, and it's just so smooth. Uh, like I said, album produced uh, by Don Gilmore and Linkin Park and mixed by Andy Wallace. Uh, now, I had an opportunity. This is just a a regular, kind of like a regular copy, but I did have an opportunity to get the record store day copy of Meteora. Mm. But being seventh in line that day, waiting an hour uh, to go into the store before it opened... I did not get it because they had three copies. And of course, Linkin Park's <laughs> Meteora went fast. Yeah. I had a, I had a list of albums in my, in my head that I wanted to get. I wanted to get Linkin Park Meteora. I wanted to get uh, the DG's album, uh, Hail to Satin, which I don't know if you know this. The DG's album is uh, the Foo Fighters doing Bee Gees covers. <laughs> and I also wanted to get a Ramones live album. I got the Ramones live album. That's, That's the good. only thing that I got uh, that day for standing in line for an hour. I should have got there at least 30 more minutes earlier. And I probably would have got that. Uh, probably got the other two that I wanted. Cause I get why Meteor went fast. Uh, Cause like I said, they only had three copies. They also had three copies of the DGs.
0: Well, especially people around our age, you know, Meteor is also going to have the nostalgic effect too.
1: Exactly. But, I'm still so surprised that the DJs went fast because one who wants, who like, I love the Foo Fighters. They're one of my top five favorite bands, but for the, for them to like pick that up, you have to be a fan of the Foo Fighters. You have to want to listen to them. Uh, just do straightforward BGs covers. Mm. I was like, there's no way that there are three people ahead of me in line, uh, that fit that Venn diagram. And they did.
0: Sure. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Dave Grohl is almost like the Keanu Reeves of music. Everybody loves Dave Grohl.
1: That is true. He is he is the nicest guy in music.
0: Everybody loves him. I love him. He's awesome.
1: <laughs> yep. But you have famously said they've made one good album. Full-length album.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's another one of those bands, you know, you say, I i respect it. was never really into it. But right. I love Dave Grohl. I think he's a great musician. And he does great stuff.
1: Yep. But like I said, I... I I was bummed that I didn't get a copy of Meteora for, for Record Store Day. But I was okay with it. Because then a week later, I was able to get this. Because they saw how fast that it went. And then they ordered some uh, just uh, non-Record Store Day copies. Yeah. So I was very happy that I was able to get Meteora. Okay, so let's start talking about these tracks. So let's start with record one side one. So we have Forward. Don't Stay, Somewhere I Belong, and Lying From You. So talking about forward, it's, it's just an intro. It's an intro
0: sound of broken glass. You know, maybe we're, you know, we're going to go into this place and we're going to take you on a journey.
1: Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, yeah, it's just, just the sound of breaking glass and like, I think electronics and then it leads into don't stay. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't really understand why they made this a separate track. Um, because if you think about it, this came out in the CD age to where mm-hmm. uh, you don't really have to worry about, um, like nowadays with streaming, uh, you don't really have to, you, you're kind of like more mindful about like, well, people want to hear this song, so they don't want like a one minute intro into this, that feeds into the song. But in the era of CDs, it didn't really matter all that much, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, if you wanted, if you wanted to listen to it one after another. And in that era, you really had no choice but you could go backwards, you could go forwards with CDs. Yeah, and you, you couldn't. It would just naturally lead right into the next song. Totally mm-hmm. different now with streaming.
1: Yeah, but the, I think the point that I was trying to make is that when it comes to like record companies and record produ- production, is you already bought the album. It's it's not gonna if this was if if this was just a part of Don't Stay. You already bought the album. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And uh, I think nowadays with streaming, it wouldn't be on your top five if you had like a minute's worth of Breaking Glass or however long the, the song is. 13 seconds. 13 seconds, yeah. If you had 13, like people wouldn't listen to it like uh, from the album version. They would want a single version and the song and Don't Stay wasn't a single, so.
0: Yeah, it, which makes sense. I mean, going into, once again, you have the forward, which is almost like if you're going, to, we were talking about, theme of a movie Mm -hmm. you know this is almost like the beginning of a movie yeah and now we're gonna we're really gonna start to get into it and don't stay uh, it it has a great like a like a almost metal kind of guitar riff and then you have you know the sound of the turntables that hip-hop element um but chester starts screaming in the second line i remember sometimes i need to remember just to breathe. Sometimes I need you to stay away from me. I mean, great, great lines. Just great lyrics. Yeah, incredible. Um, and this it starts to get into the theme of I'm, I'm alone. I'm, I'm inadequate. Be, don't be around me. Um, I'm not, almost like I'm not worthy mm-hmm. of your company. Um, sometimes yeah. I just feel like screaming at myself. Um, some t- somehow I need to be alone, don't stay, forget our memories, forget our possibilities, uh, I mean, that's...
1: What are you changing me into? Just give myself back and don't stay.
0: Don't stay, I need to be alone, I mean, that, that's a powerful song, I mean, it immediately uh, yeah, just, starts off.
1: Yeah, just starting, like, really starting off the album with this song, the last you were saying the the crunchy guitars mm. kicking in the the turntables scratching and just powerful powerful lyrics Chester screaming right off the bat
0: just give me myself back and don't stay
1: it's it really just gives me all the feels this song yeah again a, a song that I didn't appreciate until essentially last year
0: yeah yeah really really didn't but uh, it like, starts off that theme of that of that suppression that we all knew Chester sadly succumbed to.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we follow up Don't Stay with Somewhere I Belong, or I was like to call it In the End Part 2. <laughs> uh, not, to, not to criticize it, it's still a great song, but to me, uh, this song is just kind of like the same formula as in the end, probably like their biggest and most notable song in general, but also the biggest uh, single off of hybrid theory. Right. Uh, Cause it follows the same format of you have, you know, the guitars come in and they're quiet. Then uh, uh, the intro kicks in with full band, full guitars,
0: very strong guitar sound. And then
1: of course, rap, rap in the verse mm-hmm. screaming choruses. And that's kind of what made, in the end, kind of very, very popular uh, and kind of like a, I don't know if I'd call it a crossover success, but it definitely made, was the reason why that song was more mainstream than their other songs off of Hybrid Theory. And that's I, that's why I think that this was the lead single off of uh, Meteora, because it was something that kind of sounded familiar. And I think that's where, right. the, where the criticism of it sounding just like Hybrid Theory comes in.
0: Yeah. Uh... But it, once again, we're we're, talking about like a journey, like each album is a journey. Yeah. This is is really getting more into the isolation, the loneliness, the depression, and something that, you know, hey, if we're going to get into it, let's get into it. Um, You know, Chester was a victim of sexual abuse. Which is,
1: that's something I didn't know until we were, uh, until you had mentioned it uh, before we started recording. Uh, and we were just listening to this album. I didn't, I hadn't realized that I knew he had like a troubled childhood. I just didn't know exactly what
0: his, and, and his father ironically was a police officer it was a law enforcement officer that um, mainly investigated child, child uh, abuse, child sex crimes. Um,
1: part of the special victims unit.
0: When, when I am not playing the mediocre base for, Bobby Westside and the lo Fies I'm <laughs> uh in a certain position where I come into contact with a lot of victims and talk about not getting it, not getting this music until I was older. Mm-hmm. This song starts off, uh, I want to heal, I want to feel what I thought was never real. I want to let go of the pain I felt so long. There's some there's some very dark lyrics here that are about being a victim.
1: Yeah. Like when this began, I had nothing to say. And I get lost in the nothingness inside of me. I was confused and I let it, and I let it all out to find that I'm not the only person with these things in mind. Again, something, if you're just listening to it, you're not like getting, you're not like think, giving it a second thought, but then actually thinking about like where Chester was. And I, I know that he wasn't the principal songwriter. And, the, and of course, what I just said was Mike Shinoda's part, but you can really see like the theme that they're going for in this song. Like he was hurt or the, the character, the narrator of the song, that person was hurt. They didn't know how to deal with it and they're trying to figure out how to deal with it now.
0: Right. And, and that's, that's a recurring theme throughout this album. I mean, th- this was someone that had been through something traumatic and was working it out through song.
1: Yeah. I want to heal. I want to feel what I thought was never real. I want to let go of this pain. I felt so long erase all the pain till it's gone. I want to heal. I want to feel I'm close to something real. I want to find something I've wanted all along somewhere. I belong. And you can just really tell, like he felt isolated. And again, that goes to almost every song of this album. He feels like he's alone now.
0: And sometimes prefers it.
1: Yeah. But he does want to find somewhere he belongs. And you know, he kind of had that in the band, and, you know, he had a lot of fans, but it's so hard to, you know, connect with people. Even, uh, you know, sometimes, even if you are like the face of like this, uh, this amazing rock band, you can still feel so alone. You know, because for two hours a di- night on tour, you are the front person of this band people love you but then you just go back into your a room alone you just shut yourself off from the rest of the world
0: yeah for a few hours you you are the man
1: yeah <laughs> so closing off side 1 of record 1 is the song lying from you another, which is
0: just great
1: another great song and i think it was a single not one that uh i don't think there was a music video for this song but i think it was released as a single
0: This is probably the best example of Chester's melodic screaming.
1: Oh, absolutely. And another song where, you know, you got the great back and forth between um, Mike Shinoda and Chester.
0: Yeah, and that, that once again, the theme of depression and and, and feeling inadequate, and once again, preferring that solitude over that, that hurt of, being around another person um the very worst part of you is me i know that's intense
1: this is a song i didn't hear until i was an adult probably when i bought this record and i'm just like this is my new favorite song because i feel those i feel those emotions or i felt those emotions
0: i need to be away Uh, i want to be pushed aside let me go um let me take Back my life, I'd rather be all alone. This is somebody who just doesn't even feel he's worthy of affection or or any kind of human connection.
1: I know. When I pretend everything is what I want it to be, I look exactly like what you had always wanted to see. When I pretend I can forget about the criminal I am, stealing second after second, because I know I can. But I can't pretend that this is the way I'll stay. I'm just. Trying to bend the truth, I can't pretend I'm who you want me to be. I'm just lying my way from yo <laughs> that is but, my. that is the best uh, scream I can do without bursting everyone's eardrums in the podcast. But when
0: he lets it out like that: very worst part of you is is me mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, that's a, another example one of those primal screams he does. on yeah. key <laughs> I enough. know the
1: fact that he can <laughs> I I know, I mean, it took a year to make this record, so we don't know exactly how much of that was in the studio or how much of that was, uh, uh, was just recording vocals. Uh, and even though, I wonder, if, has, I don't know how good uh, autotune is, but I'm assuming there's no autotune on his vocals in this album.
0: Now, AutoTune's been around for decades, many, many, many years, but uh, yes, I, psh, uh, if there was on here, then it was very well done. Because I mean, I, I don't hear it.
1: Yeah, because yeah, exactly. Just how he can scream, sing, melodically scream uh, this chorus, and it'd be perfect. And his vocals are double tracked. Like I uh, last night, I just fell into like a YouTube hole of just googling or not googling, searching uh, Chester Bennington uh, isolated vocal tracks. Cause I wanted to hear like mm. how they produce this. Cause, uh, working with producer for our next album, evil X's out in March, maybe, uh, uh, I'm like, how can I make vocals sound better? And I always listen to isolated vocal tracks so I can get ideas. I'm like, okay, here, a little V rib here, here, a little chorus in there, but his, he is just such a talented singer.
0: Yeah and, and you know his singing his singing voice, strictly singing voice is you don't expect the scream when you first hear it. You don't, yeah. Cuz he 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 has almost like that kind of like kind of whiny emo kind of singing voice. Yeah. That was that. so popular at the time, but then he just unleashes this outrageous scream.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I never thought about it before, but I wonder if a lot of emo bands or screamo bands as they were later uh, uh, known as uh, if they did like hear what Chester did and like well I can do that too I mean not as well but they tried
0: I'm sure a lot of people when that, that came out a few years later they probably said the exact same thing I think I can do that but of course they can't
1: <laughs> yeah because yeah, you don't really like one of the things on a, on a different podcast I listen to who cares about the rock hall it's like well if this band is worthy on being the rock hall uh, can they uh, who, who did they inspire? And if you look at a band like Linkin Park, they probably inspired a lot of terrible rock music, mm-hmm. much like Nirvana did. Sure. Uh, but I think it wasn't just like the bands that sounded exactly like Linkin Park. I think any Screamo band or any other band that had Screaming in it were inspired by Linkin Park uh, afterwards.
0: You know, when I was in middle and high school, a lot, a lot of people that picked up instruments did so because of hybrid theory and meteora
1: I'm sure they did and I think that's one thing that uh, they don't get enough credit for or one thing that uh, uh Brad Delson doesn't get credit for is his guitar playing because it's not flashy. I don't think I don't think I've ever heard him do a solo, but it works for what they're trying to do.
0: They yeah, doesn't need to.
1: Yeah. Like the rhythm section is so good in this band.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And if we're going to talk about a solo, Chester screaming. Yeah. That's, that's the solo in my yeah. mind.
1: Yeah, that's, that's all you need.
0: Good tone, though. Really good guitar tone.
1: Great great guitar tone. I love, I love his... I do love his guitar playing. What did he this. play? I, I don't even. Don't I don't
0: even know what kind of guitar he played.
1: Let me, see, let me just Google that real quick.
0: It wasn't a Paul Reed Smith, was it?
1: Brad Delson uh, is probably best known for his signature Red uh, PSR Custom 24.
0: I, I remember those being really popular then. And I remember a number of new metal bands playing those. Because they were kind of weird looking. Yeah. No, I remember. I remember. Okay. Being big.
1: Brand Paul Reed Smith, you are right.
0: I was right. Yeah. Paul He's Reed like,
1: Smith. How did you, I'm the guitar guy, and I didn't even know what a Paul Reed Smith is.
0: I, I, I can remember, once again, the music videos. And I remember the Paul Reed Smiths mm-hmm. were were popular around that time. They had a certain kind of tone. I remember new metal bands with them. Um, yeah, I, I just, I remember that at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm looking through, like, uh, this website, Linkin Park Guitar. Most of what he played was either an Ibanez or a Paul Reed Smith Custom 24. Yep, I, I can remember in, the music video. In videos. various colors.
0: In early, late 90s, early 2000s, I remember, you know, that's basically all Carlos Santana played. Because when Supernatural and Smooth came out, that was you know it everywhere yeah
3: so moving on to uh
1: record one side two we have hit the floor
0: yeah this is one i thought was about fame
1: that's right yeah and uh let's see you specifically said when we were listening to it uh it sounds like the score to a horror movie
0: yeah the instrumental uh, in the beginning especially Because this is around the time that Rob Zombie got into, you know, being a filmmaker.
1: Yeah. So the lyrics to the first verse. There are too many times that people have tried to look inside of me, wondering what I think of you, and I protect you out of courtesy. Too many times that I've held on when I've needed to push away, afraid to say what was on my mind, afraid to say what I need to say.
0: Yeah, and those... The chorus, you know, one minute you're on top, the next you're not, watch it drop. I mean, that's another, he starts, he starts screaming, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Oh, the screaming in the chorus, again, just another like master class on how to do vocals like that.
0: Yeah. Think you've won and then it's all gone. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I took this one as um, about fame.
1: Yeah. And I can definitely see that because like you were saying in the chorus, one minute you're on top, the next you're not, watch it drop make your heart stop just before you hit the floor.
0: Yeah. And once again, somebody dealing with fame as well as depression at mm-hmm. the same time. Uh, it's I probably like fame
1: and depression go hand in hand. Oh
0: yeah. Uh, out of great art, com- you know, out of great pain comes great art. You know, you always heard that, but I imagine that it's, it's probably incredibly lonely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you have everybody that wants a piece of you, but you know, who, who are your real friends? You have no way to know. Do they just want to be around you? Cause you're, the man.
1: Yeah, that I I couldn't I couldn't imagine what that's like is suddenly, because hybrid theory I feel like was such like an um unexpected success, like I feel like I feel like no one expected it to sell twelve million copies. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I think you know Warner Brothers clearly they signed them because they thought they could make money, but no one had ever made that much or sold that many copies of albums in the Napster days. Uh, that's es- when Napster got really big. Yeah, yeah. Especially from doing, you know, the rap rock. Cause the only other rap rock band before then was rage against the machine. I mean, you had one-off singles where they're mixing rap and rock, you know, famously run DMC and Aerosmith and anthrax and, uh, public enemies. Yeah. But you never had an entire album worth of rap rock.
0: So here's, talk about hybrid theory coming out of nowhere. Here's some of the other big songs from the year 2000. I remember 2000 as a big bubblegum pop year.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. That's when all the bubblegum pop, pop bands came out.
0: Bye, 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 NSYNC. Yep. Um, beautiful Day, U2. <laughs> oh, you 2 um, It's My Life, Bon Jovi.
1: Oh yeah, the one, the greatest Bon Jovi song ever written.
0: Shape of My Heart by the Backstreet Boys, great song. Lucky, Britney Spears.
1: Yeah, it's a great one. Good key change. Oh, one of
0: the... great key change. We've
1: we've <laughs> with me, you, and Salvador have debated what the greatest key change in pop music is, and my my vote, of course, is for Lucky.
0: It's it's it's, a, it's great.
1: It's a Max Martin signature, I and
0: think. yeah, um, yeah, just uh. A lot of pop, very bubblegum pop music that was so big. And then, then you've got Hybrid Theory, dark, aggressive.
1: You have Crawling, you have In the End, mm-hmm. their other song that escaped my mind.
0: <laughs> and then you, you know, you've got it, Give Me Just One Night by 98 Degrees that happens to be a huge hit right around the same time Hybrid Uno Theory noche? comes out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good.
1: That uh, I had whatever now album that was. I had that album, and that song was on there. Remember now? Now that's what I call music.
0: Oh yeah, divine to find a generation. Now that's what I call music. I, I remember when the first one came out.
1: Uh, me too. I think that I think that was like the first like in sync. Uh, single was on there and Backstreet Boys single.
0: Let's see. Now that's now that's what I call music. Volume one. This this is what it had. As Long As You Love Me by the Backstreet Boys.
1: Yep. I don't care who you are, (laughs) what you say, as long as you love me.
0: Barbie Girl.
1: (laughs) I mean, let's go party.
0: I'll Buy You a New Life by Everclear. Mbop by Hanson. (laughs) (laughs) And that, let's see, that, that came out in
1: 1998. Oh, wow. And I think that was, like a, that was like a British, like I think they're like, by the time Now One came out in America, I think British in England, Now was already on like volume 27 or something like that. Yeah. I think Now was like huge in, uh, th- that compilation was huge in, in London before it came to America.
0: Oh, Had that, that bright, very late 90s looking bright cover on
1: it. Yep.
0: That's crazy.
1: So following up, Hit the Floor. We have Easier to Run, which it begins with these amazing, cool-sounding guitar harmonics. I've always wanted to start a song with guitar harmonics, but I've never figured out how to do that in key. Because I'm a very good rhythm guitar player. I'm not a very good lead guitar player.
0: Yeah, and then once again, the incredibly dark lyrics, which once again I take as uh, speaking to a victim. Uh, And just... If I could change, I would take back the pain. I would retrace every wrong move. Um, he says, sometimes I remember the darkness of my past, bringing back these memories I wish I didn't have. Sometimes I think of letting go and never looking back and never moving forward so there'd never be a past, which sounds like a line about suicide.
1: Yeah, which uh, sadly, you know, Chester did succumb to. So, you know, when I hear this, when I hear this album... I can definitely, you know, this, this album came out 14 years before he, you know, sadly passed away um, due to suicide, and I can really, you can really pinpoint, I'm like, oh, he's been dealing with this his entire life.
0: I mean, he was abused as uh, an adolescent, as a young man. And yeah, I mean, uh, once again, when you've worked with as many victims as I have, I mean, this this is just these lyrics this is what it reminds me of, you know, the feeling of hopelessness, the feeling of, um, isolation, you know, and at the time, I mean, I, he, he talked about the shame of it, which is something a lot of victims go through, mm-hmm. how ashamed he was, which I hear a lot.
1: You know, I just noticed something not to, not to, uh, do a hard, you know uh not to not to whiplash and go in a new direction i've been googling the lyrics between th- between uh songs that we do and i just noticed that of course the lyrics are in the album because <laughs> it's an it's a physical copy i don't have to i don't have to look for them
0: oh yeah oh well, we were younger if um the lyrics weren't in the little cd booklet you you were you, were yeah, you just didn't know the lyrics you, you were making up your own
3: and uh let's
1: see the lyrics that I always try to memorize of course, cause my favorite band is green day and I'm pretty sure all their albums had lyric books to them. Uh, Warning
0: did. I remember that specifically.
1: Yeah. yeah Warning did. Uh, I don't think there was insomniac insomniac. I don't think had lyrics to it, but I don't really remember that one as well. Um, so yeah, you're right. If you didn't have the lyric sheet, uh, if you didn't have the lyric book in there, uh, you just didn't know it, but this was the t- early 2000s. Uh, I don't know. Had the iPad come out at, at about this time?
0: I don't think so. I don't remember seeing one. I-, I think laptops in 2003 were just really getting really popular. There were no smartphones.
1: On October 23, 2001, Apple released the iPod, a portable media player that... Oh, the promised- iPod. Yeah, iPod. I thought you said iPad. No, iPod. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, iPods, yeah, were, were really big.
1: Yeah, because I, I had an iPod. So I had I. one of the, not the early ones, but I had one of like the iPod videos.
0: I had one that you could store a ton, a ton of music on it. But yeah, iPods were...
1: I had a 32 gigabyte one.
0: Huge, uh, around, right around this time. They were yeah. really big.
1: I still have my iPod, and uh, I don't think I've ever, I think I've filled up maybe like 16 gigabytes of music to it. There are some albums that I will never be able to get again, only because they were local bands uh, from my hometown, and uh, they just had their their CDs that they burned from their computer, uh, uh, from their of uh, their music, and I have them, but my the screen broke, so I can never find them again. Remember and, then
0: syncing your music, yeah, from your computer to your iPad mm-hmm. or iPod. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, <laughs> that was. Oh man. Yeah. We, we were much more patient,
1: but man. yeah. Cause uh, I bring that up cause back in the day um, you would get digital uh, artwork and digital uh, basically PDF copies of, uh, of that if you downloaded the album and it came with it. So they had digital lyric books back then. Cause this is still, I mean, there are probably some websites that had uh, uh, lyrics to them, but if they weren't like the most popular songs, chances are you're not going to find lyrics to every single song on there.
0: Yeah, I think it was, yeah, this was 2003, so at this point, yeah, we could look up lyrics. We could also look up guitar tabs.
1: Yeah, but it would take 20 minutes. Yeah. That's an exaggeration, but it did take a while.
0: Yeah, I think we were just moving past the dial-up stage <laughs> 2003. <sighs>
1: Yeah, I definitely had uh, dial up for way too long growing up. I can't remember. So did I. It was probably not until college that we got Wi Fi, maybe. Yeah. No, that's probably a lie. I I think I had a a stronger internet connection because my band did have, my band in high school did have a uh, MySpace page, and I'm sure it didn't take me an hour to to (laughs) upload our music, which I wonder if my band's
3: MySpace page is still on there oh tell me it's on there
2: (laughs) is
0: that the band the the video that we watched yeah oh yeah
1: okay that was my band in high school was called unspoken revenge i couldn't find their youtube i mean i couldn't find their myspace page but yeah we i still have the 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 youtube youtube's still up there
0: unspoken revenge yep (laughs) i was what an angsty name
1: I know uh, a really cute emo girl once asked me, uh, what does unspoken revenge mean? What, ha- what would happen if I spoke revenge? And I just looked at her and I said, you wouldn't be a friend of mine. Cause it's, it's <laughs> it meant nothing to me. It was just, I was, uh,
0: you should have said it's whatever you want it to be.
1: Yeah. Oh, I wasn't that smooth back then. Uh, I wasn't, uh, I was, I think I was in like track and I was trying to think of a cool band name. Cause our other band name was seize the day. And I, if, as you can probably guess, there were so many bands called Seize the Day. Uh, yeah,
0: what, what high school, artistic high school student at the time didn't like Dead Poet Society?
1: I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've never seen Dead Poet Society. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was just, those are two words, because I think my chemical aromas is three cheers for Sweet Revenge had just come out, just came out. And uh, I, those are just two words I put together, and my band was called Unspoken Revenge, and we kept that.
0: I think we next one we got is Faint.
1: Faint, yes, which is this which is the second single off of Meteora. And uh this was like the so as we were talking about like of course uh Johan directed all their music videos. This one to me it's just a cool idea for a music video for Faint. Do you remember the music video for this one?
0: No, I don't remember this one. So
1: this is the one where like uh they're probably playing in a warehouse. There's a huge crowd of people in front of them. Uh uh-huh. Uh, the the crowd of people are backlit, like full on lights coming in. So the camera is positioned behind the band, so everything is shot in shadows.
0: Huh. Yeah, I don't remember this music video.
1: Yeah, I I love this music video. I would watch it on Fuse all and MTV 2 all the time. But yeah, so the band is backlit except for the final chorus. Hmm. The final chorus. That's when the cameras shift perspective and you can finally see the band fully lit. I could not tell you why they did that, but it is. An amazing music video, and again, another song just about that shows like his his uh the band's kind of like feelings for the times. The first verse is I'm a little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard, a handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that anyone can see these scars well, also, I started rapping it at the end of it, and I did not mean to do that <laughs>
0: <laughs> well also too you know it's it's that time when uh someone maybe feels comfortable enough to reach out and it can go one of two ways. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean this,
3: uh, you know, um, let's see. I, I am what
0: I, uh, I am what I want you to want, what I want you to feel. Um, I can't, I can't feel the way I did before. Don't turn your back on me. Uh, don't turn your back on me. I won't be ignored. Mm-hmm. Now yes. it's moving into this phase where you know the the narrator is 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 ready to reach out. Um, says, "Yeah, keep saying. um Can't feel the way I did before. Don't turn your back on me. You're gonna listen to me, like it or not." I mean, that's you know, for someone if this is coming from a place of trauma to that point where now they're ready to reach out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that that's a huge step, which I think. In a song later on in the album, I I have, well, we'll get to it when we get to it, but I I think it could directly relate back to the song, maybe the reaction that was received.
1: Yeah. Like you were saying, like the bridge, he just, this is just him screaming. He was like, no, hear me out now. You're going to listen to me like it or not right now. Hear me out now. You're going to listen to me like it or not right now. Then he kind of like, uh, he goes back into just like normal kind of singing, kind of more like talking. I can't feel the way I did before. Don't turn your back me. Then he goes back and is screaming, I won't be ignored. Then they go into the final two choruses. And it's, it's just so good. Um, and surprisingly enough, uh, in you know looking it up on YouTube, there's actually a pretty good version of uh, Sum 41 covering this song with uh, Derek Wibley doing the Chester Bennington parts. And they, it was at some music festival, and uh, they brought Mike Schnode on board. Uh, to play with him, and you know what? Derek Wibley did a pretty good part, uh, pretty good uh, rendition of the song. I was actually surprised that he sounded as not as good as Channing, Ch- uh, Chester Bennington, but I'm like, yeah, he's uh, he he did a good job, yeah,
0: as well as you can,
1: <laughs> yeah, as well as anyone can. You know, some 41 isn't really known for their screaming, uh, or melodic screaming,
3: but you know, Derek Whibley did a good job, uh.
1: You know,
0: when they were really big, he he had the the big celebrity. Another one of those big celebrity romances. Who was it?
1: Oh, uh, Derek Wibley and Avril Levine. Right. Yeah, that's yes.
0: right. Were they married? Yeah, they were married. Yeah, they got married. That's
1: right. Yeah, I think I don't I don't know if this is a fact. This is my my speculation. But you know, Derek Wibley in the early 2010s, maybe late 2000s, uh, he had an alcohol problem. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I think he almost had liver failure or something, something happened, something medically happened. And that's when he stopped drinking. And I'm, I'm fairly certain again, this is me speculating. So, you know, I don't know. This is, I can't take this as fact, but you know, I'm, I'm sure his drinking probably had something to do with the reason why him and Navajo Levine didn't work out in the long term, but God, weren't they just a cute couple?
0: It was uh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> re- <say> <laughs> <laughs> Recently, I was looking on Instagram, and Avril Levine went out to dinner with Derek Wibley and Maud's son. God, I hate Maud's son. And it's just like, oh, look, they're still friends. I'm like, why? Why is she dating Maud's son? A- I'm an Avril girl. I love, I love uh, Avril Levine so much. But sh- I feel like she just keeps picking losers to date.
0: Yeah, well. She was married to Chad Kroger.
1: I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it makes sense to me that her, her new album is going to be called love sucks. I think I said this to you as a joke. I'm like, yeah, I would think love sucks too. If you know, I had married Chad Kroger and my <laughs> current boyfriend was mod son. Again, ever Levine, I love you so much. I just, I, I hope you're happy. I just want you to be happy.
0: When, when she's saying I'm with you, did, oh, did you imagine that it was you? That she I
1: still with? have both her first two. The only albums I ever bought from her are her first two albums Uh, Cause after that, she got a little bit too poppy for my taste, Yeah. but I would listen to I'm with you just on repeat in my room, my sad emo, my sad emo boy room. (laughs) Just be like, I don't know where you, who you are, but I'm, and I would just listen to it on repeat.
0: Yeah. We drank a bottle of bourbon and listened to that whole album. Oh yeah. That's right. We did.
1: (laughs) That's, uh, that's probably why I cried that night.
0: (laughs) Well, you didn't do it in my presence.
1: Oh no. This is definitely afterwards.
0: Yeah. I mean, the album still kicks ass. I don't care what anyone says. Album's great. That, that was, album's awesome. That was cared. a good
1: album. Those first two albums are really good. I
0: don't care what anyone says. I am
1: looking forward to her new album, Love Sucks. I don't like any of the lyrics I've read so far on her first two singles.
2: Yeah,
0: what I've heard so far, it's not that great.
1: I think the music's pretty okay. Uh, it's kind of like a, it's a machine it's a machine gun Kelly type of uh, pop punk that. Uh, Travis Barker's record label is kind of like producing like a factory. Yeah. Uh, so Amazing that part. That
0: Machine Gun Kelly is the standard now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that makes me sad. But talking about good music.
0: Figure zero nine.
1: Figure Figure zero nine. So yeah, this song, just another great Linkin Park. Kind of like their same formula. You have the rap verses, the screaming choruses the kind of like electronic intro with the guitars. It's just another example of how much they honed their skills in hybrid theory between hybrid theory and Meteora. And they knew how they knew what sound they were going for. They knew how to make, how to, how to make the music they wanted. Yeah. And yeah, another, another song where you can just tell like how much pain they had, uh, they had kind of like faced in their life.
0: Yeah. And once again, I'll, I've let you go. So get away from me. Give me my space back. You just gotta go. You gotta just go.
1: Hearing your name, the memories come, come back again. I remember when I, when it started happening. I hope you in every, or oh, I see you in every thought I had. And then the thoughts slowly found words attack,
3: uh, Attached to them. So in this song,
1: he definitely explores like someone had hurt the narrator in life. They're trying to move forward, but then they just keep getting reminded of that pain that they felt a long time ago.
0: And yeah, I mean, the, the guitar sound too is, uh, there was a really distinct guitar sound. But there was, a, yeah. Meteora came around that Paul Reed Smith sound because there's almost a, um, The sound of it, of a Paul Reed Smith, is almost brittle, Mm -hmm. the sound of it, but just that that dark, brooding kind of guitar sound.
1: Yeah, it really surprises me that, you know, the same manufacturer of the guitar can sound like Linkin Park and also sound like Santana. Like, to me, complete opposite of the spectrum of rock and roll.
0: Totally opposite. But they made it work.
1: Like, if it was an Ibanez, I'm like, yeah, Ibanez's are kind of meant to sound metal. hmm But the fact that uh, both of them had, like, similar guitars, and one's just, like, this crunchy, distorted guitar, and then one is smooth. Huh. Both, uh, <laughs> both in the song. <laughs> <and> this, <laughs> in both meanings.
0: This guy. The master of the
1: puns. I am, I am not the master, but just a student. I don't know who the master would be, though. They're out there someday I will take their place.
0: It's master splinter.
1: <laughs> so after figure nine, breaking we, the habit. we have breaking the habit, which I remember it being the third single after Faints. and breaking the habit is another song. Great music video. This is the one that was very, it's, it's, it's anime inspired. The music video was animated by studio Gonzo. It was directed by Joe Hahn and co-produced by Eric Calderon. I love this music video. It looks so cool. Do you remember watching this mini music video
0: about that one? I do remember
1: again, talking about like, you know, the time that like these music videos came out, no record company is going to probably spend like a million dollars on a music video anymore. Like all, all music videos are, are kind of, if they're made at all are kind of very produced or cheaply made. Right. Uh, but the fact that they had to hire animators from a foreign studio to make this uh, music video, this this two and a half to three minute masterpiece, uh, uh, they just wouldn't spend the money on that nowadays.
0: Which played into the, you know, there was a certain group that loved Lincoln Park that were were kind of nerdy, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not the most popular kids in school. So of course. That anime-inspired music video just was for them. <laughs> yeah, you know, It really was.
1: Because uh, I feel like nowadays, anime is, anime is still kind of fringe, but a lot of people like anime still.
0: Oh, a lot more than 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, a lot more than 20 years ago, because we didn't have a lot of anime at this time in America. Now, now there are streaming services dedicated to anime. You know, back then, you had, of course, you know, Dragon Ball. Mm -hmm. cowboy bebop sailor moon but there are just hundreds and hundreds of animes nowadays so yeah it's still kind of like you you still kind of fringe but you have so many so much options so and you know these are these are definitely you know people the members of lincoln park were definitely people who grew up inspired by anime and it it shows you know in the artwork of this album something that we didn't really talk about you know, is the artwork of this album. Cause you know, I, I have the booklet vinyl. So when you fold it open, you see like the collage that they hired somebody to uh, spray paint. I believe this is all spray paint. And mm-hmm. it's just this huge like artwork that they commissioned for the cover of this album. But that's, that's actually the inside of the album. The, the cover of it is the artist actually like making it. The and ju- again,
0: yeah, the journey is more important than the destination. Yeah. And when you look at it,
1: it's beautiful and definitely looks like very. This, like, the artwork reminds me of the anime Ghost in the Shell. I don't know if you know that, but. I'm not an anime guy. Okay. So, Ghost in the Shell is what heavily inspired The Matrix. Uh, so, you know, it kind of has that, kind of looks like this. Yeah. Uh, anyone can Google it if they're curious, if they don't know.
0: But that was, it is really interesting. Oh, yeah, West Siders. The, the cover is the guy working on it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I, I had Meteor, Meteor, I actually owned on CD first. And I think I still have the CD somewhere. So, yeah, you know, you look at the cover, I'm like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. It's just a guy spray painting and it has the Linkin Park logo. It says Meteor and has a list of the tracks. But then you open it and you fold out the booklet and you see this amazing, like, gorgeous spray painted artwork. And I, I could barely, I can barely draw. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm an idea guy. I'm not an artist in that way myself. Uh, So seeing somebody do that is just amazing to me. So, you know, Breaking the Habit. Again, another great song with it just explains so much about how Chester, this one is pretty much just Chester singing. Mm -hmm. You know, the chorus, I don't know what's worth fighting for. I don't know why I have to scream. I don't know why I instigate and say what I don't mean. I don't know how I got this way. I know it's not all right. So I'm breaking the habit tonight. So good. So such good lyrics. Like, I'll
0: never be all right. I mean, there, there's some, it, it's kind of, it, it, it's really scary. I mean, there, there's, there's foreshadowing on here of where he was going.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: I,
0: some of these lyrics, I, I'm amazed that he made it another 14 years. Seriously. no these lyrics are so it's
1: hard to it's definitely hard to talk about because you want to be respectful but you can definitely tell like this was someone who was troubled and he he was always kind of gonna have to live with these scar these emotional scars that he had since he was a kid
0: yeah i mean i mean it's this album the lyrics are so dark i mean it's it's sometimes it's surprising that i mean he he pushed on as long as he did because i mean this is this is really dark stuff
1: yeah i mean going back to the first verse memories consume like opening the wound i'm picking me apart again you all assume i'm safe here in my room unless i try to start again
0: i'll paint it on the walls cuz i'm the one at fault i'll never fight again and this is how it ends
3: just again just great poetry like he
1: uh again the the song lyrics are contributed to the band but for the sheer fact that you know this is a Chester solo song mm-hmm. i'm thinking it was primarily written by him uh and you can definitely tell like his mental state at this time that he's writing the song he wants to he wants to get out he wants to be okay he wants to no longer live with this pain that he has but he just can't yeah he know. wants to break the habit, but he can't.
0: i no, paint it on the walls because I'm the one at fault. There's, um, you know, getting back to the idea of, you know, the victim, you know, him having gone through trauma. You know, there is a lot of, there are a lot of victims that blame themselves. Right. And you hear that a lot. Domestic violence, sexual abuse. You know, I'm the one at fault. Because uh, that's what the abuser will do. Make yeah, them they feel will. that they're, it's it's their fault or they should be ashamed.
1: Yeah, which is... Hopefully, you know, every, I think every generation, we try to get a little bit better about that and let the victim know it's not their fault. Uh, but you know, it's something that, you know, it just takes time and hopefully you can get past it.
0: So I think the next one now, the next one from the inside. Oh yes. I remember that music video. It was all dark and gray and
1: there was a music video for from the inside. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that whatsoever.
0: I, I, I remember that cause it was kind of dark and weird and very gray. Like this very urban kind of look. It was very gray. I, I, that mm. I remember.
1: Looking this up on YouTube right now because I, like I, when I looked it up on, I get all my information from Wikipedia cause who doesn't? Uh, I saw from the inside as a single and I'm just like, no, it wasn't. Cause I remember I, you know, We both grew up on the MTV. Oh, okay. There was a music video. It looks like not to just commentate on the music video. Of course, there's an ad.
0: But this song, this is what I was saying. I'll get to it later. Mm -hmm. From the inside, talking about earlier, how maybe this person having gone through trauma was willing to put themselves out there. I swear for the last time, I won't trust myself with you. Take everything from the inside, throw it all away. Um, Trying not to break, but I'm so tired of this deceit. Every time I try to make myself get back on my feet, all I ever think about is this. Um, Try to put my trust in you, just take so much out of me. You know, go one of two ways. You could feel better or you could feel betrayed. So maybe reaching out, maybe didn't go so well for him.
1: Yeah, and... the music video is loaded, and it looks like Lincoln Parker in the middle of a uh, like a riot. I've honestly never seen this music video before. So yeah, there's a riot going on. Looks like a, a state of like un, uh, government unrest. So you have, of course, the people who are, you know, trying to break free and run out, and then you have Chester coming in, in the middle of the crowd, and he's singing the song from the inside of the crowd. And, uh, and then of course you have, you know, the cops coming in and, uh, uh, trying to break up, trying to break it up. I, oh, wow. This is, I'm going to watch this later. It's, it's a good music video. Cause this is a song I definitely love on the album. And I didn't know it was a single. And this one, I think it's, it's mostly Chester singing. Uh, if my memory serves me correctly from where we're listening to it, it's not a lot of screaming from him. I don't think.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I had to give the vocal cords a rest. I, I would have, if there was ever any kind of scientific study that could be done on somebody's vocal cords.
1: Chest, you I, would want to see I, Chester?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's got to be something different there. For him to be able to do that. There's got to be. He, he had, I actually don't know if he ever actually had vocal lessons. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know.
1: I don't think, I don't think he did. I Uh, think most, uh, he probably, probably after, you know, they got, you know, the record deal. Had
0: a vocal coach, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: he probably had a vocal coach. And I think most people who don't have traditional, like, singing lessons, they do have vocal strengthening lessons. Right. Uh, So they're able to, like, perform in concerts and whatnot. So I would, I would be very surprised if, uh, if, uh, if Chester had any actual. Uh, vocal lessons yeah because he just seems like such a natural talent he,
0: yeah and and there has to be something biologically different with his vocal cords to be able to be that strong and that consistent
1: absolutely because i don't remember ever hearing about you know chester being unable to sing
0: yeah blowing his voice out i mean you think it, they would do don't stay mm-hmm. every two or three nights for an entire tour
3: Oh, yeah, which they did.
0: And then two years later, they're doing another major world tour. Yeah. And they, they would do that song every night.
1: <laughs> I know. There's a full concert of theirs available on YouTube to watch with ads. I think they're playing in Houston. And, uh, and yeah, they're playing the songs from the first two albums, from Hybrid Theory and Meteora, and hearing Chester going from singing to screaming back and forth. And you're just like, wondering, like, how can he do this? It's just... It, so much talent there.
0: Like you think blink 182 talk about vocal strengthening. Yeah. I mean, they would sing, they probably Mm -hmm. had some kind of vocal coach every night, you know, or every other night on tour with them, helping them.
1: Well, actually you say that, but, uh, you know, Tom DeLonge is very famous for having a certain sound to his voice. Right. And it wasn't until end of the state that someone figured out actually had to make his vocals kind of sound really good. Uh, uh, but Mark Hoppus, he learned to do vocal exercises, vocal warm-ups from Billy Joe Armstrong in their 2002 tour, and they he still do those today
0: because they can sing. Yeah, because there's not screaming in the Blink 182 yeah. albums, like, but they can sing those songs over and over and over again. But I mean, these songs would have a tremendous wear and tear. Oh, absolutely on, on, on your on your vocal cords. Uh, I mean, the fact he did that for so long
1: yeah speed in which i believe uh blink-182 mark Hoppus and matt skiba they were also on that chester benningfield uh in memoriam concert that i was talking about earlier and i think they played i don't remember what they played
3: uh,
0: is the instrumental one next
1: uh so side two we have nobody's listening and this is kind of this is the one that's mostly a rap song right has that kind of like uh I don't know what the sample is, but it's very, it sounds very like Asian cinema inspired.
0: Yeah. This seemed to have the old theme of, um, out of, you know, pain comes art.
1: Yeah. This is as, as I kind of hinted at earlier, this is the only song I don't really like on this album. It's the one that I skip every time. So for me, this song is what, uh, what kind of keeps it from being a perfect uh, album to me. Yeah it's 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 just it's just okay like i don't think uh there's nothing about the rhymes that he's doing or the 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 rhythm and the cadence that mike Chino is doing that makes me think like this song is a standout and i guess it is the only song that kind of breaks the formula on this album
0: yeah it's much more of a straight kind of rap song
1: yeah and i'm not a big rap fan and but i i appreciate rap and for what it and for what it is uh but this song just isn't for me. To me, this song is filler.
0: Yeah, and I am a big rap fan, but this one, this one definitely wasn't my favorite.
1: I will say there's one line on this uh, that I do like because I think it's clever. It's uh, when Mike Schneider says, I hate my rhymes, but I hate everyone else's more.
0: Yeah. I like that. That's good. That's probably my favorite line in the whole whole thing.
1: Yep. And so after that, we have Sessions, which is the instrumental one. Right. And this one kind of sounds like a movie score. But Sessions was nominated for Best Rock instrumental performance at the 46th Grammy Awards hmm. and yes that's, that's just a, a minute long instrumental but closing this album probably my favorite Lincoln Park song of all time Numb I love this song
0: I, I remember in that music video they, they did a good job of showing Chester's screaming I mean, mm-hmm. it was, like, him, like, really like, in agony. I, I remember that.
1: Yeah. Like, again, wonderfully directed by Johan. I absolutely love this song. Uh, Chester's vocal... So, this is actually the first song I looked up when I looked up isolated vocal tracks for Chester. It is so beautiful. So beautifully produced. So beautifully double-tracked. I I love his vocal performance on this song. It's so good. And just even just like the lyrics. So you know the lyrics to the chorus. I've become so numb, I can't feel you there. I've become so tired, so much more aware. I'm becoming this all I want to do is be more like me and be less like you. So clearly there's a figure in his past Uh, Again, assuming that since this is a solo song of his, uh, you have Mike Shinodo providing background vocals and some spots here and there. So I'm assuming that this was mostly him writing the lyrics. But you can really tell that there was a figure in his past that hurt him. Uh He doesn't want to be like this person anymore. Or he doesn't want to be affected by this person anymore.
0: And great, great melody in that chorus. Oh, absolutely. Great melody. Catchy.
1: Yeah. And the guitar is just kind of minimal, just like this ringing out distorted guitar for the chorus.
0: Like, like, uh, drone music almost boom, hit the one chord and just let it go.
1: Yeah. It's something that I don't think I could ever do in a song, but I respect it when it's done well.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and Chester's voice carries so well. I mean, they, they hit the single chord and Chester's voice is just amazing.
1: Yeah. Like the, 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 just the first verse, I'm tired of being what you want me to be feeling so faithless, lost under the surface. I don't know what you're expecting me put under the pressure of walking in your shoes. So I think very famously, a lot of, uh, a lot of new metal bands had, had father issues. So I don't know. I don't know if this is about his father. It's definitely about some kind of, uh, figure in his life that doesn't understand what he's trying to do.
0: Yeah, and that uh, like we said earlier, that before we started recording, there's parts of this album that remind me of the part in Fight Club. Oh yeah, where Brad Pitt talks about we're a generation raised by women, and talking about the absentee father role of something like that. It, mm-hmm. it, 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 yeah, yeah,
1: because that is Chester's generation right there that they're talking to.
0: Yeah, in addition to he he seem to fit that mold of what Brad Pitt was talking about, you know. I mean, he he you hear in the lyrics, he wants something more out of life or feels hopeless. Um and, you know, he he worked at Burger King yeah. before he was a uh you know, a big musician, you know. He was working fast food, you know. He he was unhappy.
1: Yeah, anyone uh, who d- decides to dedicate their life to uh, music. They have to pick a career that'll let them uh, be available for when shows happen. (laughs) Burger King is one of those
0: places. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Uh, In the second verse, you know, can't you see that you're smothering me, holding too tightly, afraid to lose control? Because everything that you thought I would be is falling apart right in front of you. Again, just shows the theme of the song that there is some kind of figure in his life that sees what he's doing and they just don't understand. Yeah. And that shows in the music video too because you see a young woman, you know, going going through school and then having fights at home. Like she is struggling uh, to find her place in the world, but her parents aren't helping.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like the real serious version. You remember the, the music video, you know, in the 80s, the Twisted Sister, you know, what do you want to do with your life?
1: I want to rock, you know. Rock.
0: You know, mm-hmm. but that comes from a very serious yeah, you know, Even place.
1: Though, even though in the Twisted Sister version, it's kind of more played as humor.
0: Yeah, like it's funny, but I mean that— Yeah, but it
1: does come from a real place, and that's why Tipa Gore didn't like them.
0: I <laughs> That baby boomer generation, you know, and, and that, that, that generation, and then um, kind of Chester's generation, that Generation X, I think they're called? Yeah, right, Gen right, X. Yeah, before, before millennials. And uh, I, I, th- I think that that theme comes from someplace very, very serious
1: it's uh and like i said this is my favorite lincoln park song just because it's the one that makes me feel the most just that chorus such a catchy melody and i think this was another song that was also a big hit for them it was
0: yeah huge
1: and and just like his feeling of being numb like there if you if you go on spotify and, and just type in numb of course, Linkin Park is the first thing that comes out because it's clearly going to be the most popular one. Mm. But so many other songs called Numb that you've probably never heard of because this one is the defining song.
0: And imagine, I mean, the last line in the song is I'm tired of being what you want me to be. Imagine, mm-hmm. imagine a kid struggling to, because you know, obviously he wanted to be a musician and working fast food at the son of a police officer. Yes. It's coming from... Probably
1: uh, a very strict person,
0: strict, more regimented background, and and he's he's working at a fast food restaurant writing lyrics in his spare time, Yes. trying to be a musician. I mean, imagine there must have been a conflict there at some point.
1: Oh, absolutely, it's definitely coming from like a personal a personal space because you can't write lyrics through this through a character; it has to be from your own perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just an example of great songwriting. He should. I don't know if there's a Songwriters Hall of Fame, but he should definitely be in there.
0: The Songwriters Hall of Fame. Uh, Yes, there is. Okay. Uh, The Songwriters Hall of Fame, founded in 1969 by songwriter Johnny Mercer. Okay. Interesting. I don't know who that is. Johnny Mercer? Nope. Famous uh, Savannah. Musician.
3: That did not help me whatsoever.
0: <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, but uh from nineteen sixty nine to two thousand and ten, exhibits put on display online inside the Grammy Museum at L A Live. Hall has no permanent place of residence. Okay, because the so- awards are not televised, there would be no other digital recording of the event. Oh, interesting. But yeah, there is a. Uh, There is a Songwriters Hall of Fame, and I agree. I think he should be there because these lyrics are something
1: else. Looks like, uh, let's see, Contemporary Icon Awards most recently have gone to Lady Gaga and Justin Timberlake, uh, Halsey, Hal David Starlight Award, whatever that is. Halsey is another great songwriter. I didn't really much like her last album, but I loved her uh, previous one, Manic. But yeah, he should definitely be on there. I feel like, I feel like for the most part, because Lincoln Park is lumped in with all the other new metal bands, they do not get the appreciation that they should have when it comes to like all of rock and roll.
0: And that's why I didn't get it until I was older. Yeah, you know, at like, the time uh, I was just wasn't listening to that.
1: Like, uh, uh, as the as the time of this record this week, um they released the nominees for the rock and roll hall of fame, 2020, 2022 inductions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, through our group, our band group chat, uh, Salvador really had a lot to say about <laughs> everyone being uh, yes, he nominated did. and <laughs> very uh, strong opinion. He has gone on the record and I, I'm a hundred percent. He's okay with me saying this, that Salvador really not a fan of Lincoln park. He is not. No, he just, he, it doesn't, it doesn't move him and that's okay. But you know, he, the, the thing about Salvador Wheelie, really, the funny thing about Salvador Wheelie really is when he loves something and you saw it in the first episode with uh, Love It To Death that we were mm-hmm. both there for, when he's, he can speak passionately about something that he loves, but he also, he also just shits on everyone, <laughs> yeah. everyone else's, anyone else's bands that he doesn't like.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And I love that guy to death. Get him, get him to, <laughs> get him to talk about Yes, the band Yes. And oh boy. Oh yeah. He hates Yes. <laughs> oh, he'll go, he'll go on and on.
1: So, uh, a future, uh, going, going to future ideas for episodes, I had pitched the idea of we sit around and we debate what the greatest soundtrack is. You had mentioned, uh, wanting to do almost famous and Salvador was like, uh, immediately disqualified. Yes is on there. Yeah. And I'll admit that song sucks.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of,
1: uh, it's all good people by yes.
0: Right. And it's just, it's just kind of dumb.
1: Yeah. It's not a (laughs) good song. It's just, Yeah not uh all good people plays if i'm remembering the movie correctly because we watched it together last year mm. it plays in the part where they're all on the bus and like something had just happened and then that song like comes on the radio then they're like their their mood changes and then they kind of like begin to move forward. Is that when that song that's, pops in?
0: That's Tiny Dancer. That's Tiny, okay. <laughs> that's the famous Tiny Dancer scene. Okay. <laughs> then
1: apparently I have no idea when that song comes in and that song sucks. <laughs> oh, that's right. Cause now I'm remembering. Cause yeah, yeah, it's like they all start like singing along to hold me closer, Tiny Dancer. Okay. And then
0: when they're in the city, when they're on tour, they they play my favorite Elton John song, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. And ah. I, always, I always remember that scene. Cause I always loved that
1: song. Is that on, uh. Yellow Brick Road?
0: No, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's is not on Yellow Brick Road.
1: I honestly don't know Elton John that well either.
0: Oh, God. What album is that? I think Matt, Mad Man Across the Water? I, I just think Elton John had such a good, good run there in, through the late 60s and early 70s. Um, but Mona, Lisa's, uh, Mona Lisa and Mad Hatter's is off of Honky Chateau.
1: Okay. Cool.
0: 1972 that was right before yellow brick road came out
1: Ah, uh, okay so yellow brick road is probably like his most popular album i would say
0: yeah probably commercially yeah and then after that it just i don't know it just the music just wasn't as good kind of honestly going back to lincoln park i think after meteora that was probably the apex of their
2: yeah
1: great you know, creativity. for a one-two punch of hybrid theory to meteora amazing both albums sold over 10 million copies worldwide
0: and they never got silly you know kind of like we talked about limp biscuit or corn you know yeah they just became less relevant
1: yeah they did like the the because you like you were saying after you know the whole big new metal craze like after 2003 2004 that kind of started to die down right um and they weren't emo
0: I mean, yeah. like they they, they had yeah. pop punk and emo yeah. came
1: into popularity in the mid two thousands, into the late two thousands until that died off and folk folk rock became popular again.
0: They had some of those, some of those kind of lyrics, but they just they they, they weren't that sound. They they weren't Fall Out Boy. No, <laughs> yeah.
1: they, they were no. Not. Did they want to be Fall Out Boy?
0: No, no. they, they were not Yellow Card. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they were not way away with it.
0: <laughs> I don't think they spent a lot of time on Ocean Avenue.
1: Oh, you got it. I'm glad you got the joke. <laughs> I thought of it and I, I just projected it into your mind. Okay. So uh, closing out, of course, we had Numb. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's it. Anything else you have to say about this album?
0: It's um, heavy and it's tough to listen to knowing what happened to Chester Yeah. later. But uh, doing what I do now when I'm not Playing bass for <laughs> Bobby Westside and the Lo-Fis. it means a lot more now. Having worked with a lot of people who have gone through that, it's it's tough.
1: Yep. So, Roland Torrance, is there anything you want to promote while you're here? Evil axes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you seem to know a lot more about when this thing's coming out than I do
1: okay so Roland Torrance I'm sure you would like to promote uh, your band's upcoming release of Evil Axes release date to be determined but you can find us uh, you can find the band on uh, Bobby uh, releases at bandcamp.com uh, you can follow the band on Instagram at bwestsideband
0: I was going to promote Fender Jaguar because that's kind of like a running thing now
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Fender Jaguars, that is your base of choice.
0: Yeah, Fender wants to sponsor.
1: So if you were to come back on the podcast, what album would you like to do next? I know you're already, you're already in the two, two, uh, two-time guest club. Someday you'll get to the Tom Hanks status.
0: <laughs> well, we had pitched the idea of doing the trilogy.
1: Yeah, going to do a trilogy album, uh, probably in the future, do best soundtrack album.
0: Best soundtrack um,
1: I think you had mentioned about getting your mom on the podcast, Mama Torrance.
0: Yeah, so if if we could either do, um, uh, I would say if if we could get my mom on, on the podcast,
1: I'm gonna I, look we, into doing a Zoom podcast. We we or would, how to do that.
0: I, I think it'd be great if we could do Deja Vu by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young.
1: I will uh, next time at Iconic Records. I will try to look for that al- album.
0: That was that was something that was constantly playing in addition to the four of them their their solo careers was constantly playing in my house growing up
1: yeah well i would definitely like you to come back on uh when when we can get your mom on the podcast and talk about that album and that's our show folks i've been your friendly neighborhood rock star bobby westside email me any questions at bwvinylandcoffee at gmail.com and I might read uh, read them on the podcast Uh, follow uh, the podcast on Instagram at bwvinylandcoffee thank you for joining us Uh, please share subscribe and leave a five star review if you don't leave if you leave anything less than a five star review you're just being an asshole goodbye
0: adios